This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app.
Very good evening to you. Uh, we are totally wide, uh, and this is Fresh FM. And that was the Smiths, and how soon is now? And we are in 1984. Hello, Jack. How are you? Uh, hello. I'm trying to be concise there. I'm good. Getting it nice and short. So we're finally here at the dystopian year. Yeah. If all and, uh, if all was arrived alive, what would you think? You're just like, oh no. Oh, oh he'd be uh, wiping his brow, just thinking, oh, phew. Yeah, Britain it didn't happen. Britain didn't ha- didn't fall under that. Yeah. Yeah. But then he'd be looking over at the Soviet Union and thinking, oh gosh they're experiencing it yeah yeah so. a little bit yeah mm. i think we live in a much more surveillance society now don't we ironically well, well well compared to 1984 britain yes oh absolutely britain yeah. of yeah today is much more of a surveillance state yes and it's same with other democracies yeah. in the west which is a disappointment yeah i was reading i was reading about china where you, there's, there's, there's there's cities where you, you can't actually go anywhere without a camera mm, yeah. you know you know being on you yeah you, like nowhere like even like you know <laughs> It's like side streets and stuff. You know? Yeah, cameras everywhere. And then also, I believe you cannot buy homes if you don't have a high enough a social credit score. Oh, really? Yes. So the social credit yes. score score S- similar, determines it? your place in society. Mm. Um, hopefully, it does not get implemented in the West, too. Let's hope not. Mm. Yes. So, what was happening in New Zealand in 1984, Jack? Were they, were they a oh. dystopian society? Uh, nope. But they were um, ousting a leader. Were they? <laughs> yep. Robert Muldoon, uh, in a surprise decision, called a snap election on July the 14th. Uh-huh. Uh, National only had a two-seat majority, so it made sense why you'd want to call an election. But if you lose, then you just lost you you just, know, your you just kind of, a majority. Yeah. So yeah. it's it was a risky decision. Um, and the plan backfired spectacularly because National was dealt with a heavy defeat by the highest official turnout of voters in New Zealand's history at 93.7%. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of voters. A lot of voters. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. We don't get that these days, do we? Not not no, nowadays. But back in 1984, yeah. So you must, must be pretty confident, thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a go, mm, and yeah. then probably cried. Or no, he probably just had had a very hard drink afterwards. 
<laughs> he he was to, he probably he drunk, drink. drinking when he called the election. He too. liked to drink, did he? Uh, well, lots of New Zealanders do. Well, I, would, well, I wouldn't well, be lots, surprised. I mean, lots of people do. I wouldn't be surprised if Madon was drunk when he called that election. <laughs> Anything else happening? Um, well, uh, meanwhile, in the 80s, uh, in New Zealand, there is a, a record label that is starting up and is producing some very good bands called Flying Nun. Yes, started a um, couple of years ago. A couple, yep. couple of years ago, but there's a band named after a French poet called uh, Paul Verlaine, and they are called the Verlaines. Okay, all right. This is a pyromaniac. <laughs>
That was the Valains and Pyromaniac on Flying on Records, as Jack said. Um, what was Apple Mac doing in the USA? They were having a big a big year. Uh, Apple. Big year? Well, they were becoming a household name uh, with the release of the Apple uh, personal computer. The Apple yeah, Macintosh right. personal computer. Yeah. Uh, went, sale in, went on sale in January of 1984. Uh, first mass-produced Apple computer that had a mouse. So computers didn't used to have mouse as a default mice. feature yeah um this one did uh and it had a built-in graphical user interface uh it was originally priced at two thousand five hundred dollars which is now sort of the default price for a really good computer nowadays yeah. um so then it was like a lot of money yeah a lot of money uh but um oh yeah way more expensive than like nowadays actually because of inflation i don't think it i don't think this is adjusted for That's inflation. like ten thousand ten thousand dollars now isn't it surely yeah i think so probably yeah yeah Yeah. well but um it still still sold well because um it also had an iconic advertisement which uh was aired during the super bowl which in america is a big deal the super bowl is biggest thing isn't it the biggest sporting event in the entire year yeah everyone watches it yeah um i don't know why um anyway uh and ridley scott directed the advertisement (laughs) yeah really and I mean, I watched it myself, and it just seemed really simple. And I was just thinking, you really needed Ridley Scott to do this. But um, it's just a woman with a sledgehammer who runs towards the iconic screen of, you know, I think the hating that happens at the start of a- 1984. Yes, yes. And she then grabs the sledgehammer and then just hurls it towards the screen. It bursts, and then in a you know giant uh, sort of burst of light, and then it says, you know. We're not going to let 1984 be 1984, the right. Apple Macintosh. Yeah. Which, um, Which is ironic now because Apple probably stalk most of us <laughs> along, with, along with Google, don't they? Yeah. They, they hold a lot of data about us and actually survey us quite a lot. Yeah. So <clears throat> Anyway, but at, that, the, at the time they were, they, were, they were going for it, weren't they? Yeah. Let's free everybody from the shackles. Yeah. Of that kind of thing. The surveillance state. Yes. And let's give them something they can do spreadsheets on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great. I uh, wish we could play the advert, but we can't because I haven't got it. And it's, yeah. there's not, no words in it. And also, it? in terms of audio, it's not that interesting. No, 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 I'm sure. This is much more interesting. It's mostly visual. Yeah, this is the Minutemen, uh, and there ain't shit on TV tonight. How can I make an outline of myself? Guideline for the profile for my country. How do others see me? I'm worried, worried, but feel guilty. The media. betrays us no more lies we are responsible
That's the Minutemen. I'm not going to say the title again because uh, I don't want to. It's embarrassing one. Oh, it, well, not really. That I means there's nothing good on TV, doesn't it? Oh yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it means yeah. in essence. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this band and has an interesting start, by the way. Uh huh. The two met when they were 13. Yeah. And um, uh, lead guitarist and vocalist Dee Boone jumped out of a tree uh, onto what would become the lead bassist. <laughs> um, yeah. So the boys then, you know, uh, walked home. Uh, discovering they had the same taste in music or they liked music uh-huh. and um, then they formed multiple bands afterward uh, throughout their teenage years until in 1980 they formed the Minute Men with uh, another man called George Hurley mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Oh, thank you I didn't realise that I've also heard that story before maybe yeah he, he apparently jumped out of a tree thinking it was his fr- uh, one of oh, his other okay. friends right, just to sh- then surprise it was, him it was oh, someone else it's a stranger oh, oh dear and they started talking yeah and they, and they formed, back a, anyway. formed a great band yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, mm. excellent. Yeah, what else is happening in in the USA? Anything else around the world? Um, it was the Olympics, wasn't it? The Olympics, yes. Nineteen eighty-four. Yes, nineteen eighty-four. The um, Olympiad in Los Angeles. So um, Russians didn't go, did they? They did not go because the America boycotted the nineteen eighty yeah, Olympics right. in Moscow. Yeah, um, which is kind of funny because despite the boycott, there was still record participation with yes. 6,892 athletes. Right. Or, no, 20, well, 29 athletes. Well, there would have been more if, if the Russians had gone. Uh, yeah, but one of the um, Soviet-aligned countries still, Eastern Bloc-aligned countries still went, and it was Romania, and Romania would win the second most amount of le- medals. <laughs> so there we go. But then in third place came West Germany. Right. Showing yes. that they were the superior Germany. That's right. Mm. East Germans didn't go there. No, oh. I don't. F- uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Not too sure. I can't remember either. It was a big, big hoo-ha. Well, it wasn't a big thing, you know. It was like... I don't know, think it was the biggest thing. We, we knew the Russians weren't going to go because the Americans didn't go to the 1980 one. So. Yeah. 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 bit petty, really. I should also mention that this was one of the best years for the Olympics for New Zealand because yeah. New Zealand got eight uh, golden medals, mostly just from water sports and canoeing. Um, Ian Ferguson would be... Um, New Zealand's most successful Olympian ever would when when he wins three gold medals at this Olympics yeah. in 1984 and then another one in 1988. Yes. Do you happen to know who 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 uh, a long jumper? Have you got them all written down there in front of you? No, I don't. You have don't. Okay. No. All right. I met one. In, I met an Olympian, and it was just like really good. Oh wow! Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it was a doctor. Oh, cool. Yeah, long jump or triple jump. Long jump, I think. Yeah. I don't know how well he did, but anyway, nice. the long jump. They Carl Lewis, didn't they? Who was like mm. winning everything. Yeah, he like won like a hundred gold medals. Not a hundred, but you know, like a five lot. or something. Well, five. That five is a lot still. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I should also mention that New Zealand was six places ahead of arch rivals Australia. So that was just what, the. What, why do you want to mention that? Oh, because it's just New just Zealand beat, beat Australia. Must have been beat really, Australia. Really nice feeling, wasn't it? Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Good. All right, thank you, Jack. Uh, this is Prince and the Revolution.
Prince and the Revolution and When Doves Cry. Uh, so there was um, this kind of strange thing happened where all these musicians got together for charity, didn't they? Yes. It was called Band-Aid. And uh, in no- November of 1984, uh, 44 group members um, came together to record the single Do They Know It's Christmas in yeah. uh, Notting Hill Studio. And um, this was pretty big because um, the group was created by Bob Geldof with the intention of raising money for um, victims of the famine in Africa that was caused by political violence and uh-huh. mismanagement of the market yeah. and Britain and Ireland's top pop musicians came together uh, just to record this song and it included Phil Collins, Bono, Sting Duran Duran, Culture Club, Ranarama James Taylor, George Michael David Bowie and Paul McCartney so 
Oh, what a what a lineup! Yeah, it was a lot of people, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of famous people as well. And then they had a, a concert, didn't they? Where they, uh, you know, uh, after that. So it's pretty. Yeah, and maybe, those, maybe that was in nineteen eighty-five. Not those musicians. I think we've only played a song from Bono. <laughs> Sorry, it's from, from the eighties. From the eighties. Ah, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, what's your point? I'm just, I just find it interesting to note that I haven't played anything by Sting. Yeah. Yeah, or Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just know that they're the most popular bands in the eighties and musicians. But um, yes. Well, I was I was I was in Wellington a couple of weeks ago, driving around, listening to because I got there's, there's this car that doesn't have any way of playing music I want to listen to, uh-huh. so it doesn't have a CD player, it doesn't have any kind of auxiliary input that I can plug my phone into or anything. Yeah. So I have to listen to the radio. Uh-huh. And I drive for an hour and have to listen to, like, you know, Beach FM, you know, playing your favourite hits from the 60s and 70s, all that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and I, 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 I don't want to be like that. I don't want to play all the hits, really. Yeah. You know, so that's, yeah. that's why I haven't played any Sting or Duran Duran. Yeah, sure. Um, but there was, this, there was this, this station that said 60s, 70s and 80s, which was kind of weird, because suddenly they were playing songs in the 80s. And all the ones they played from the 80s were really, really bad. Oh. I just want to... I just want to. I thought they were really, really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. But the, the kind of seventies ones were, I, I quite liked. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in the eighties. I think I prefer popular music in the seventies compared to yeah, popular yeah. music in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. Thank you. Mm. This this is this is um, by a band called the Style Council, uh, which is the band that Paul Weller formed after he uh, the, the Jam. Yeah. Ended. Paul Weller of the Jam. Paul Weller was on the in Band Aid. Oh, was he? He was. Oh, good, good. He was. He, there was I, one post-punk invited. I definitely remember him hmm. being part of it. Apparently he sure. formed Style Council because uh, he hated rock, meth and culture. Yes. And wanted to form it with another person who hated rock, meth and culture. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he, he made some kind of solely jazz kind of stuff.
Like a born again, living like a heretic, listening to Arthur Lee records, making all your friends feel so guilty about their cynicism, and the rest of their generation, not even the government, are gonna stop you now. But are you ready to be heartbroken? Are you ready to be heartbroken? Pumped up full of vitamins. Unaccountable of seriousness You say you're so happy now You can hardly stand Or lean over on the bookcase If you really want to get straight Read Norman Mailer Or get a new tailor Are you ready to be Heartbroken Are you ready to be Heartbroken Are you ready to bleed What would it take, what would it take to wipe that smile off of your face? Are you ready to be, are you ready to bleed? To be heartbroken. Are you ready to bleed? Heartbroken. 
on the commissions and are you ready to be heartbroken and before that the style council and my ever-changing moods uh yeah so paul weller just kind of wasn't quite as successful as he had hoped probably when he ended the jam and started that but he had yeah. some nice, nice sweaters he used to wear and it's quite a fashionable kind of band hmm. um yeah anyway this is a totally wide on fresh fm and we're in 1985 so what else happened you, t- you mentioned hong kong yes so in uh, Hong Kong, always in the news, isn't it? it seems to be. Uh, no, not really. But um, well, in, it, it, feels it, like it was in the news briefly just for 1984, not for something that people would really take for granted until much, much later. Um, on December 19th of 1984, China and the United Kingdom agreed to transfer power of Hong Kong uh-huh. from the UK to China. Yes, so, and they, on their timetable, they arranged that 1997 would be the date of the handover. The year of the handover. No, no, 1997. 1997, yeah. So, like, 13 years. Yep. Transition. Uh, I don't know why it takes that long, but uh, sure. It's uh, better, to uh, think, to take a longer time. paperwork uh, involved, probably. Yeah, it's better to not rush it, I suppose. <laughs> um, I don't know why it would... Well, hopefully not just lots of paperwork, but... I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really... I really, I Actually, I really haven't got a clue why it would take 13 years. Yeah, I think you could do it in, you know, 10 or 5, but... Half, half an hour probably <laughs> yeah with a military <laughs> well I just say you know we're off you know we're leaving <laughs> you can look after it and see yes ya. let's ignore all the people who have, that have jobs that are reliant on being in you know the U- Hong Kong yeah I guess there's a currency thing and a yeah all sorts of things like people with their there? families that yeah, then okay, have to uh, relocate I was being facetious obviously <laughs> half an hour yep so um this would originate, uh, bring out the phrase one country with two systems uh, which meant that upon the transfer of power it would become a part of um, mainland China one, but con- one country with one system where 50 years later um, they'd finally um, you know um, well nobody really knows what will happen in after the, you know, the 50 years is up right? and with uh, the protests in Hong Kong we've realised that well maybe this was not the best decision for Hong Kong uh, no, yeah, I, I, w- I, I would, I would say it wasn't the best thing. Yep, we're halfway through in 2022, but and um, we still don't know. Well, we don't. We suspect that the capitalist and democratic parts of de- de- Hong Kong are going to be eroded yeah. to the point where they become just. That's I mean, the of real China. problem with colonialism, isn't it? That that clearly the people of Hong Kong might be ethnically Chinese, mightn't they? They might be. I don't know. I don't. I, I can't say for sure. But I'll just hit my microphone instead. Um, come away. They from are that. ethnically they, Chinese, but they have a British culture. Yes, that's right. And that's the whole problem, isn't it? You can't suddenly say, okay, well, in thirteen years we'll just, you know, stop being. And here's stop, the thing: stop feeling British in twenty-five and years, start being Chinese. They haven't done a good job of making Hong Kong want to become a part of mainland China. Yeah. They still want to maintain the British. Um, you know, laws yeah, and it's impossible. You 
Um, Very hard to do. You know, yeah. Walking. And you can't expect to do it really without any, you know, um, problems, can you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Mm. Uh, anyway, thank, thank goodness we don't have much colonialism anymore, except probably the Chinese might in, engage in it a bit, and the Russians maybe a bit. I and think the ideas do. of imperialism, colonialism, whatever form it takes, is always going to be a problem that yeah. new societies and new yes. but we don't generally get generations might confirm. We don't generally get countries kind of taking over other countries that much these days, do we? We do a bit, I know, um, but it's not widespread, is it? You haven't got yeah, the Europeans sailing, sailing around the world. Yeah, saying, I guess not in an oh, overtly just, militant way. I'm just going to take way. over this country. Not in an overtly militant way, yeah. No, it's, it's much more subtle, isn't it? It's more cultural, isn't it, I guess? Yes, it's more yeah, about yeah, culture yeah, now, yeah. I think, yeah. Mm. All right, thank you, Jack. Uh, this is The Fall, and C-E-R-E-E-P. Propositions are integrated within. Gen up to electric dog status. We pat you on the back. Your ears prick up. We call you Hitler, and then kick you around like homogenized milk. Yeah. 
That was the Fall and C R E E P, uh, which obviously spells creep. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we were we were saying last week, Jack, not on the air, obviously, because we we often talk not on the radio. Yes. Um, that that we've never called this thing a show, have we? That we do this totally wild thing. We've never said. Listen, uh, li- listen to our show next week or anything and we decided that you'd call it something else didn't we do you remember what that? did I call it? I remember talking about this but I don't know what I suggested I think you called it like a, t- a temporary occupation of the airwaves <laughs> or something yes I did was it something like that that's it which is that's very very said. good so yeah. this is a totally wired a temporary occupation of the airwaves mm-hmm. on Fresh FM did you know the Fall recorded a live album in New Zealand they <laughs> did oh that's a good story do you know the story um well <laughs> Apparently they recorded live album in New Zealand. They called it In a Hole. Yes. And then it was released by Flying Nun Records. It was, yes. Yeah. So Flying Nun met met Marky Smith of the Fall and and uh, some other members and they kind of said, "Oh, can we can we record you live and re- and release it?" And uh-huh. the, the Fall said, "Yeah, of course." And then the Fall went back to the UK and Flying Nun released the album and the Fall said, "Hang on, hang on. no, 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 you can't do that." And so it was like there was lots of legal kind of stuff going oh, yeah. on but it was a very big selling record for Flying Nun and, and made them a little bit of money oh, yeah. which helped them a lot but it was completely like illegal the, the Fall didn't want it released <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's a nice album oh dear yeah 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 mm. um, but it's a good story yeah <laughs> it was like you just kind of casually say oh you know is it okay if we do this and someone goes yeah it's fine yeah and then actually when it comes down to it they say no sorry yeah no. we've changed our mind we, or yeah no we didn't agree to we that we remembered oh wait we did record an album in New Zealand <laughs> yes exactly yeah but of course if it was released just in New Zealand it would have been okay but it was exported around the world so oh yes, yes. so that was part of the problem really I think yeah, that makes sense yeah yeah good story um, the minor strike Big yes. thing, a big thing in '84. There was a minor strike in the United Kingdom. Yeah, um, a year-long minor strike began in March of 1984 and lasted until 1985. Of March, um, it was held by the National Mine Workers Union under Arthur Scargill. Uh-huh. So, if you've ever heard that name, that's where it comes from. And um, they organised <laughs> it against uh, the UK government. Yeah. Uh, the National Coal Board wanted to close 20 um, collieries, which would have resulted in the loss of 20,000 jobs mm. coal mining might not be the most glamorous job but it's still a job still and exactly yeah they wanted to keep their jobs um and their community and the community because, yes because of course most most because a lot of these towns were reliant on the jobs yeah and they were built up around a colliery mm. so there was the, the mine and then people lived around the mine and they had pubs shops that existed around the mine of course so you know if, if the mine closed then the community just dies yeah yeah. So more than you know, just twenty thousand jobs would yeah, be lost. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like lifestyles. You know, fifty, everything. eighty thousand, maybe. Oh, yes. Way more. Yeah. Uh, so one hundred and fifty thousand miners went on strike, and it brought the nation to a standstill. Yeah. Um, despite this was the fact that this was the longest industrial dispute of the twentieth century for the United Kingdom, um, Thatcher still held strong, and she defeated the strikers, yeah. and then ended up. Um, Winning the general le- the uh, general election in a landslide. It's true. Mm, yeah, it's true. Which was a um, very demotivating thing for uh, the unionists. Yeah, th- I mean th- the unions didn't really ever recover from that in any big sort of way in the eighties. Mm. Um, Eventually, I think the Labour Party just decided to um, like abolish their clause that said they were chiefly just a yes Labour Party. Yes. 
So the unions used to used to vote for they had a big sway in who was the leader of the Labour Party and who who would become an MP and they had a lot of power. Yeah, uh, and the Labour Party just gradually moved away from that. Yeah, mm. yeah. and, and you know, that, that that's because in the 1920s the Labour Party was organised by unionists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really sad, sad to see you know miners fighting with police and stuff and the violence of it all was was mm. uh, divided communities and people still have scars not physical scars well maybe yeah. some physical scars but also mental scars of that yeah it's really really awful and of the type of people to clash with the police miners weren't really the chief no, no, people no, just, who wanted just, to do it just they just work, wanted, working the people, they wanted right. to work yeah. they wanted a job yeah mm. yeah yeah, mm. yeah terrible oh thank you jack um this is uh, the jesus and mary chain and a song called upside down Jesus and Mary Chain and Upside Down quite tame now but at the time it was um, quite something yeah that's quite heavy it's kind of just feedback and stuff it's pretty good yeah all that feedback yeah. yeah you were chuckling away while that was playing yeah an idea just came to me came an, to I- me. an idea came into your head yep 
an idea about something nothing related to what we're doing right now nothing related to what we're doing <laughs> right now yes <laughs> that's good I'm not going to ask you to share it then mm-hmm. anything else from 1984 uh, um, it feels really weird to say it because it was it was this kind of like dystopian <laughs> novel if, you, if anyone's ever read it it was you know. and I guess I could share something that was um, quite big for one country that yep. most people forget and don't really know about it was the assassination of India's Prime Minister, yeah. oh, yes, Indira yes. Gandhi. Yeah. And she was one of the most successful Prime Ministers that India has ever had. She was appointed first in 1966, um, becoming India's first female Prime Minister. She was a very popular leader because she led a series of successful reforms. And then she su- showed the support for um, the separation of East and West Pakistan. Um, East Pakistan became Bam- Bangladesh, uh-huh. West Pakistan lost the war. Um, this success just increased her popularity but then she was accused of electoral corruption and that uh, would start her slow decline which um, uh, she was she would actually get um, convicted of the charges in 1975 but refused to resign and then she ended up um, censoring and suspended civil liberties in India um, from her political rivals Mm. Um, then when the general election came around in 1977 her popularity did not help her win the election and she was um, ousted, but she mm. then ran for another yeah. fourth term as Prime Minister in 1980 as part of a new political party. So she was an extremely tenacious woman. Um, unfortunately, though, by 1984, she her luck would run out. And um, what happened was that the Golden Temple in Amritsar was taken over by a Sikh separatist group, and then she sent in Indian troops to remove them, and as a result, uh, many were killed and it, the incident sparked a Sikh uh, uprising in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, then on Halloween, um, Hallow's Eve, and on October 31st, uh, 1984, she was assassinated by two of her Sikh bodyguards. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's a very sad thing. It's very sad, yes. Yeah. Mm. Sad day for India, yes, and the world. Yeah. yeah. I can never follow anything, any kind of song after an assassination, really. S- sorry very hard no don't be sorry it's just just the news isn't it it's what happened really yeah, yeah. yeah. and I mean it's the equivalent of I mean like, I guess of John F.K. yeah and that's right mm-hmm. anyway this is the Cocteau Twins
with the cocktail twins and pearly dewdrops drops which is hard to say if you've got a sweet in your mouth or something mm, yeah. yeah um so you're going to talk about the rise of maori culture um well or, or i guess uh, it's uh, rise to prominence and more so in new zealand society yeah, because yeah. in 1984 a song would it sung in maori would hit the charts for in new zealand for 22 weeks and it was poe uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah um well, well that's not the song sorry that was that's your phone that's my phone what the yeah I'm sorry about that don't swear what the you're going to say <laughs> no I'm just confused I don't actually finish what? I don't actually say any no I don't slur at the end of what the I just say what the yes that's right. No, what the yeah yeah don't that's, worry. that's my you know go to slur yes yeah anyway um, so yeah uh, Poe reached the number one charts in New Zealand for 22 weeks um and uh, commercial radio, radio actually barely played, played the song, mm-hmm. um, despite its really catchy, you know, rhythm and singing, um, until TV's uh, Eyewitness News gave it um, its big break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in America, an exposition of for, just for Maori culture opened in New York, and um, it then enjoyed hugely successful runs in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco, and Chicago before returning to tour New Zealand. Mm. And um, I think it just brought more of um Maori culture to the forefront of people's minds yeah and it really helped um mm. New Zealand really embrace that yes. cultural identity which I think it was fantastic yeah that's mm. good thank you Jack uh, well I'm not going to play that song of course uh, <laughs> yeah. we've had two minutes of uh, Grandmaster Flash uh, so uh, join us next week and we'll be in 1985 okay good thanks night f- thanks for listening good night Chaka Khan Chaka Khan Chaka Chaka Khan Shaka Khan, let me rock you, let me rock you, Shaka Khan. I said, I let me rock you, that's all I wanna do. Shaka Khan, let me rock you, let me rock you, Shaka Khan. I said, I let me rock you, cause I feel for you. A Shaka Khan, don't you tell me what you wanna do? I do you feel for me the way I feel for you? A Shaka Khan, let me tell you what I wanna do. I wanna love you, wanna hug you, wanna squeeze you too. So let me take you in my arms, let me feel you with my charm, Shaka. Cause you know that I'm the one to keep you warm, Shaka. I make you more than just a physical spell. I wanna rock you, Shaka, baby, cause my name is Nelly Bell. Step, 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 step off because you gotta get lost because you know you're soft. <laughs> step, 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 step off because you gotta get lost because you know you're soft. I was sitting on the corner just a waste of my time when I realized I was the king of the rhyme. I got on the microphone and what do you see? Huh, the rest was my legacy. I was born to be the king of the bebop swing that has stands in my dance, big diamond rings. I own the castle in the yacht, two million in gold. Cause rap is a game that I control. I'm like Shakespeare. I'm a pioneer because I made rap something people wanted to hear. See, before my reign, it was the same old same until the bar with the bar, that street talk game. So if you ever let me make this clear, if you ever think that we're stepping out of here, you ever think you're getting up, down, around, or in, <laughs> you better think again, my friend, because the door is closed and we're in town and the only place you can go is MCs gonna do now It's gonna be a starter And here's my plan You won't even get bread and water, my man Gonna put you on the racks like a pair of slacks With another whack rapper tied to your back And if you wanna hang yourself out to dry It's the beautiful roundup in the sky I'm the carry-out kid when my triggers the cock I'll be carrying out bodies stiff as a rock Carrying out a billion dollars in my pockets of hand But to carry out orders from no man Cause anything you wanna do, I already did You used to see me rock the house when you was a kid, what in my empty?
Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.